Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Now, there's a story that we're about to enter into, which really covers uh, really the rest of this study. Um, there's a story that Jesus gives, a parable, to use the, the term. He uses a parable, and this is the parable of, sometimes I think it's called the unjust servant or the unforgiving servant. I don't know, it might have different labels in your Bible, depending on uh, the publisher that, that, that uh, published your, your copy of the Scriptures. But uh, the point is that it's, it's a parable that Jesus has talked about, and we're going to take that, that story, and we're going to really look at it in two parts. We're going to look at the first part tonight, where that servant is forgiven. Now, there's more to the story where he doesn't forgive. You'll see that later. We're just going to stop the story where he's forgiven. But there's some, a lot of implications about this. And the main question I want to ask tonight, as we go through this, I, again, I hope this is a little bit of teaching. Um, I can't help myself. I end up sort of preaching at you when it's all said and done. But I'm hoping I'm sharing something with you from the Scripture that you can understand the theology the, of Jesus' theology of forgiveness so the question you need to be asking yourself as you're listening to this story of this unjust ser servant, first question, why won't I forgive? What, what's holding me back? What, what is the, and you need to answer that question. Why, what is holding me back from that? That's where Peter's question comes in. It's like, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive him? Well, why do you need to, why do you need to know how many times? What, what is it that's holding you back? You need to answer that question. And tonight, the question I want to ask you and I want you to think about is, how much have you, you been forgiven? Now, you're, again, make sure we've got the shoe on the right foot here. Somebody has hurt us. Somebody's done us wrong. Something has happened to us. We need to be able to forgive them. This is where a lot of us are. We're in that boat. Some of us are in that boat. I've been there before where somebody's done something wrong against me, and I need to forgive them. We need to ask ourselves first the question, how much have you been forgiven? That's where we're going to start tonight. I want to begin with a word of prayer, and then we will look at this passage in Matthew chapter 18. Lord, I need your help tonight as I preach your word. Please help me to be plain and clear. But Lord, more important than any of my speaking, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to the hearts of your children that are here. They want to hear a word from you, and I pray that you'll do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to pick up in verse 23. Here's what, the, what Jesus is parable. He says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him, him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That's a good story. I wish it would end right there, but it keeps on going, you understand. But we're just going to deal with that right now. We're talking about forgiving people. I read a quote this week 
by a man named Bob Goff, and if you know anything about him, he's a writer, writes a lot about loving people and trying to be a more loving person. He's a very positive fellow, if you can imagine. Uh, But he had this quote, he said, love difficult people because you are one. I think we like to think we need to love everybody, those difficult people, but I'm easy to love, of course, right? Isn't that how we all think about it? But this is the essence of the forgiveness that Jesus is trying to let us see here is that you're never going to be able to forgive until you have experienced it, which is why you've got to be one of his little ones. That's the first thing. And I don't think you'll ever be able to forgive until you really fully appreciate the forgiveness that you've received. I think the reason that we're as unforgiving as we often are is because we kind of forget. Actually, Brother Mark and I were talking about this this afternoon. You know, what, we know what Jesus has done for us in the, in the past. We've experienced it. We can give the testimony to it. But sometimes, just because we're in this flesh, we're just this way, the glory, the amazing grace that we've experienced, it kind of just wanes off a little bit. And it's not because there's anything wrong with God's grace, you understand. It's because we're, all, we're weak and we're sinful and that's just how it happens. And we need him to keep coming at us. We need him to keep filling us with the Holy Spirit. We need to keep, he needs to keep working on us. We, we're, we're flesh and this, this flesh is sinful. But the point is, I think that we, we forget or at least fail to appreciate the forgiveness that we've, been received, that we've received from Jesus. He's forgiven. <laughs> And I know that we tend to think about the big stories, you know, somebody who was way off in whatever you think sin is. Again, we all have a different definition of it, don't we? Like, your sin's really bad, but your sin's worse than his sin, and and your sin's a little bit not as bad as his sin. We we do that, don't we do that? But you have to understand that all of the sin required Jesus to die on the cross, and we need to understand that if he didn't forgive us, we would not only be hell-bound, we would be hell-bound, we would be in hell now, away from God, having his judgment. So Jesus is offering this parable, I believe, to probe on exactly how much we have been forgiven. So that's why I want you to ask the question to yourself, how much have I been forgiven? So in verse 23, you've got a king who's taken account of all the people that report to him. Now, the one, one view of this that I tend to take on it, I like this take on it, there's, there's other people that might view what is going on in this story a little bit differently, to be fair, but I think the, the story still ends up being the same. But the view that I have here is that you've got a king who's got his sort of subordinates, his viceroys, his, his lieutenants, his governors, here's the, here's the empire leader, and he's got these different people, different sections of the country that he's ruling, and they're coming to him and reporting to him. Kind of, uh, like, like I said, like a king with his governors of the different districts. That's kind of what I'm imagining that's going on here. I think that, that, that holds underneath what, uh, what Jesus is presenting. So you've got this king, and he's going to take account, it says, of his servants, those people who are, he's the boss, and they report to him. They're, they're, uh, they're underneath him. They report into him. So he takes account of everybody. It says there in verse 20, uh, excuse me, yeah, verse 23. And then in verse 24, it says, as he's beginning to reckon, as he's, as he's doing this accounting, as he's, as he's comparing notes and seeing what's going on here, uh, what he says there, that there was one that owed him 10,000 talents. Now, that sounds like a lot, just because if I owed $10,000, it'd take me a little while to pay that back, you know, probably how y'all are too. Uh, but that's not what you should be comparing it to. It's not like $10,000. It's it's actually a whole lot more than that. 
you kind of, we should probably, just for the sake of giving you something to put in your mind, you should probably think about this more in in the the realm of billions of dollars. That's really the the, the amount of money we're talking about. Uh, Just to give you kind of a comparison point, one talent, I understand, equaled about 30 years, give or take, 30 years wage for the common man. So for, for a man to make one talent, it would take him third, basically a lifetime or a, a career of, of work in order to make that much money. Um, in fact, a, a, a city, something like, something like Capernaum or something like that, one of these sort of mid-sized to larger cities in that, in that region, they would have had um, th- their output, their GDP, if you want to use that, that idea, their output would have been a couple of hundred talents a year. So we're talking about the fact that this, this is amount of money that in today's money, this is the size of a small country. That's how much money we're talking about. This is the kind of money that the federal government just printed on the presses and made out of thin air to give y'all a stimulus check. That's what we're talking about. And if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, read a book sometime. Uh, the fact... <laughs> Uh, the point is that it's a lot of money. Do you, do you understand? Are you with me? This is big. This is not, I just ran up a credit card bill and I got to pay it back. This is, I just robbed the Federal Reserve Bank kind of big. This is a lot of money here. This is what we're talking about. In fact, this term that Jesus uses of he owes him 10,000 talents, he probably, again, he's telling a parable. It's not a true story, if you will. He's kind of making this up to give us a, an illustration. But the idea was, he is not intended to give us an exact figure. He's just basically saying he's owing a bazillion dollars. That's, we might as well just say that. That's what he's saying here. It's just huge. And so what the king does is in verse, uh, because, because he can't, he's got such a big, a big payment, he goes to verse 25. He says he didn't have it to pay. Surprise, surprise. He couldn't pay this. He couldn't write, a, he couldn't write the king a check. He couldn't lay gold on the table for him. So he says he couldn't pay. So the Lord commanded him to be sold his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So, so understand what's going on here. His, this man owes just a gobs of money, more than you can even imagine and ever pay in a lifetime. He can't pay it back. There's no way he can pay it back. So the king says, well, you can't pay it back, so I'm going to sell your family into slavery. He's not doing that to pay for the debt. You do understand that. That is so not about paying the debt. This is more about punishment, this is saying, listen, I'm only going to get, I mean, again, he, remember he owes 10, was it 10,000 talents. The family, if they really got a high price, might get a talent. He might get a talent for them. And we, the point is, this is not going to put a dent in the debt. All this is going to do is punish the man for taking on this debt, not being able to pay it. So there is absolutely, positively, no hope that this debt would ever be able to be repaid. I need you to understand that what Jesus is doing at this point in the story is he's telling you that's the debt you owe. Your sin debt, it's so significant. It's not just that your sin was bad, it was bad. But it was, your sin was done, let me say it this way. If I did something against you, I harmed you, hurt you in some way, I've hurt 
a person. I've hurt someone. That's bad. I need to, I need to fix that. But if I do that against God, he is an infinite being who deserves infinite glory and worship. Yet I have now hurt him and harmed him and done something against him. So doing something against a person is bad enough, but now I'm doing it against this infinite being. So what I need you to see is that your sin, bad, because I don't like it, you don't like it, nobody likes your sin, that's part of it. But it's done against God who created you perfectly and he is perfect in every way and he deserves not just good from you, but perfection from you, and yet you fall short of that, and you need to pay for that sin forever and ever. It's why we don't go to hell for a period of time. That's why we don't go to hell for, there's no, there's no sense of, some people teach of like a purgatory or things like that. Why, why don't we do that? Because our sins are so much more heavy than that. They're so much more weighty than that. There's no way that I could in a thousand lifetimes pay for my sin. That's why I needed Jesus to die on the cross. Do you understand that? Do, do, do not miss the fact that Jesus dying on the cross was not just a, a little bit of interesting, appreciate him doing that kind of thing. It's not like he just put a little gas in your tank and got you going to the next. No, no. He's the one that transformed your debt from something that was overwhelming. You couldn't pay it. So the first thing that I want you to see, and I think Jesus is making this point to us, that our sin was an overwhelming sin. You're standing there before the king, you're draped in your sin. There's no way you can get it off of you. And he is demanding you, calling you to account, and saying, pay it now. Y'all ever been in that situation? Where you, uh, where you have got something that you owe or you have to do and you're called into account right now, pay up, do it now, deliver it now. Makes my heart sink thinking about those times that I've had to do that. <laughs> Get called into the office. The boss says, where is that project you promised or that thing you were supposed to do or where is that thing? Oh, not done yet. You ever felt that? Now think about that, just infinity larger. That's what our sin debt is. It's an overwhelming debt. Now look with me in 26. We're back in 26 again. He says, after he's been told in verse 25 that he is going to have to be sold into slavery, his family is going to be sold, everything he's got is going to be sold, and that's going to not offset the payment, but he's going to be punished that way. In verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. This man does make, I believe, in this passage, I think you can see here he's making a clear confession. I don't think there's any, I, I don't hear him complaining. I don't hear him debating. I don't hear him saying, well, you know, I didn't really rack up that debt. It's not my debt. That was somebody else. Or you, you've got an accounting error. He's not, he's not saying any of that. He's saying, this is mine. I owe every penny that you say I owe to you. He doesn't even debate whether this king has a right to ask this of him. He just essentially says, he even worships him, he says there. He falls down, he worships him, and he says, Lord. He refers to him as the one who has a, has a right to demand this of him. And what does he do? He says, Lord, I'd like to have a little more time. Give me some patience. Could you have me some more time? Now, we could, we could say, if this was an un, truly an unpayable debt, and I believe that's what Jesus is trying to paint here, 
the king could have given him all the time in the world. He never could have paid it. But when you're in that position, and again, I don't know if y'all have been there before, but I've been there, just you know, five more minutes will get a little bit of pressure off of me. Just, get, just get, give me a little bit of room. It may never fix it, but it feels right. That's why, by the way, that's why people continue to go into debt and deeper into debt and deeper into debt and deeper into debt. Because what happens is we feel like we can kick the can down the road just a little bit longer and we're going to be okay. That's why it happens. If you didn't know that, that's why that happens. Because we're trying to relieve that pressure on our souls. <laughs> and this man is doing the same thing. He's not debating whether he owes it or not, but he recognizes he's at the mercy of the king. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that never come to this place. We talked a little bit about that this morning. There's a lot of people that never get to the place where they say, you know what, my, my sin's not that bad. I, I, you don't understand, I, I'm, I'm, I'm paid it back. Why, what do you mean I owe something? There's a lot of people that get to that place, with the, they never get to that place with their sin. They actually see themselves as able to pay the sin debt. If there's, if there's one thing I want to accomplish in my time that God has me in this church is I want you to see, at least the members of McConnell Road Baptist Church, if not other people in this community, is I want you to see that without the shed blood of Jesus, you not only have no hope of eternity, you have no hope in this life. There is no hope, no hope, no hope. You can't be religious enough, good enough, sweet enough, kind enough, big enough, smart enough, rich enough. You can't do any of those things. You need his shed blood. And there's a lot of people that never get to that point to recognize, yes, you owe exactly what God says you owe. Yes, he has a right to demand those things of you. And you are at his mercy. Christians confess, this is what Christians do, they confess that apart from the mercy and the grace of God, we would be under his judgment. Because not only is our sin overwhelming, but it's clear, and we're clear on it. We know exactly what it is. But I want you to see verse 27. So here's the man begging in verse 26. Please, just give me a little more time. The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now what you've got to understand here is that this man is not just standing, or you know, if you will, around a table or standing in front of that king. He's not just in the presence of the king. Probably was probably dragged in after they figured out how much he owed. He's probably, if you will, in custody at this moment. And this king is operating as judge, jury, and executioner. He's not, there's no sense of due process. He's not going to wait for the, the district attorney to show up. He's not going to wait for this man to make his one phone call. There's none of that kind of stuff going on here. This is literally, he has got, you can imagine, big burly men with their hands on him. And he's saying to the king, please, just a couple more days, and I know I can give you a little bit of this. Just help me out here. The king looks at him in verse 27 and has compassion. He's moved with compassion. And it says, first of all, not that he just gave, because this man is just asking for a little bit of mercy, but he doesn't just give him mercy. Listen to what he does. He loosed him. That word loosed means essentially that he acquitted him of all charges and he discharged him. This man is allowed to walk out of that room. 
This man, the, the, the guards let go of their grip. This king who had every right to do really whatever he wanted to to him says, you're free to go, sir. This man is allowed to escape the punishment that he deserved. Now, if the story would have been ended there, I think the man would have probably done what I would do. <sighs> no, this is good. We're good. Okay. We got a little more time. But that's not where the story stops. Go, what is, look what he says there. That the man, that the king loosed him and forgave him. Because what forgiveness does that's different from loose is that forgiveness absolves him of the debt. The reason he was standing in that position to begin with was because he owed a lot of money. And the king said, I'm not going to punish you. Let him go. Loose him. And he said, I'm going to go ahead and wipe the slate clean. You don't owe that money anymore. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me. This is called a full acquittal you don't just not go to hell you don't if you're a christian you don't just not you're not, not just no longer under condemnation romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation you're not but that's not it that's a big part of it and thank the lord and we can go collectively because we don't have to have the judgment that is deserved to come to us but those sins that put me in that position are no longer mine. That song that we sing sometimes, that they are nailed to the cross and he remembers them no more. I love that. Those sins are nailed to the cross. They're, they're, they're gone. Yes, Jesus says to the Father, you can let him go now. He does. He looses, loosed you. And Jesus said, I'm going to forgive them too. Those two things, by the way, what I've tried to illustrate to you are two concepts we talk a lot about, but I don't know that we completely and fully understand them the way we should. Grace and mercy. Mercy is when he loosed us because he could have let the hammer fly. He let us go. Grace was when he said, I'll take those debts off of your hands and I'll let you walk around, not just a free man, but a free and innocent man. Those are two different things. There are some people walking around that are free men, but they still have that debt hanging over their head. Society says they owe, or, or whatever that, that pale, that, that power of, 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 of criminality that's over their head, right, wrong, indifferent, it's there. Jesus comes in and he says, I'm not just going to let you go. I'm going to take that away too. That's what he does. He had compassion and he loved us. Now, there's more to this story. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want to stop you right here and just want you to stop and think. That happened to you. That's what Jesus is telling us. That was provided to you. Now, we'll try to work through what that means in terms of forgiveness, but y'all just need to take a minute right now and say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Be eternally grateful for what he has done for you now i want to go so far as to say that if we will that'll certainly mean that we'll praise the lord that we'll lift our hands we'll lift our voice we'll we'll just have a little more kick in our step and say thank you lord for what you've done for me i think it'll do that for us but you know i think there's also and again we'll get into this a little bit next week but but i just want to go ahead and tell you i think there's also some implication for how we forgive other people 
If we've been forgiven such a huge debt, don't you think it'll make us look at the stuff that other people do to us a little bit, or should take, look a little bit different? I'm not trying to justify what they did, by no means. It was wrong, just like your stuff was wrong. It was sinful, just like your stuff was sinful. It was a debt that could never be paid, just like your debt was a debt that could never be paid. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. We'll praise him. We'll sing his praises. But we should also, there should also be that gratitude should show up in practical ways in how we deal with one another and how we work with each other and how we, how we interact with each other and not least of all, how we forgive one another. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.